the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. I hope that you are doing fine here in Southern California. I hope that you have your power on. I got something from a power company a few minutes ago saying, hey, we're probably turning your power off because of the winds. So um, anyway, just be prepared for that. I don't know how vast that is. might be just uh, where I live because my power goes out all the time. I don't know why that is. But anyway, this is the Pastor Scott Show. You can follow us at uh, Pastor Scott Show on your socials. You can watch us now at kkla.com, and the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Of course, the uh, war in Israel is ramping up. Lots of scary things uh, related to that, and we need to keep praying for our country and for all of our leaders because to navigate this uh, and to do it well is a big deal. It's a big deal for everybody really in the world. Um, and, you know, people are expressing shock and dismay in particular about the increases and in the protests that are anti-Semitic and what's happening on our campuses especially. In an article in uh, the LA Times today, a writer named Erwin uh, Chur- uh, Kemerinsky, I think is how you say his name. Uh, he wrote this. He said, nothing has prepared me for the last few weeks. He's 70 years old and a professor at Berkeley. And uh, somebody scribbled uh, on an Instagram that went around virally that uh, wrote his name. Erwin uh, Kemerinsky has taken an indefinite sabbatical from Berkeley Law to join the IDF. That's the uh, Jewish army. And uh, two weeks ago at a town hall, a student told him that what would make her feel safe in the law school would be to get rid of the Zionists. And I have heard several times that I have been called, a reading from his article here in the Times, part of a Zionist conspiracy, which echoes of anti-Semitic tropes, which have been expressed for centuries. He says, I was stunned when students across the country, including my own at Berkeley, immediately celebrated the Hamas terrorist attack on October 7th. And Students for Justice in Palestine called the terror attack a historic win for the Palestinian resistance. Um. And uh, they, a Columbia professor called the Hamas massacre awesome and a stunning victory. Here's a, I don't know if you can hear this too well, but this is a uh, Columbia professor at a rally. Um, uh, similarly. Oh, wrong one. Where is that here? For the first time in years. It was exhilarating. Did you hear that? He said for the first time in years, it was exhilarating, this attack, this Hamas attack. For the first time. It was exhilarating, this attack and all of the murders. And he went on and on and on about that. Another professor from UC Davis actually said this on the Twitter. And as far as I know, this person's still working there. 
This person said one group of people, and he quotes this in his article, it's LA Times article. It says one group of people we have easy access to in the United States is all of these Zionist journalists who spread propaganda and misinformation. They have houses with addresses and kids in school. They can fear their bosses, but they should fear us more. And then she uses a knife and an axe and then blood emojis. I mean, that's that is unbelievable that that is our culture. Uh, except that it's very believable, actually, when you look into it. So this guy is concerned about it, and he writes this, and he's right to be concerned. He doesn't even quote as bad as that is. How can you write that? How can you essentially put something out there that says, hey, let's go kill uh, people and their kids in America from one of our universities? It's not like it's just some you know wacko out there who's got a thing. It's a wacko out there who's got a job, a job teaching the kids. And over and over again, we keep having this sort of shock and dismay about it. Can I make this point? Here's the point I want to make. The reason it shouldn't be shocking is because we've been building this for years. It is institutionalized, this hate. And and a couple of things I want to say here. Number one, I'm not talking about... You know, obviously what's happening over there and thousands of people probably are getting killed, lots of kids. The whole situation is horrible, all right? But you can't support terrorism and you can't start attacking people right here in their their homes. And that's happening to your Jewish friends and neighbors and maybe some other people. We're not seeing that as much. But, you know, we, it's, it is something that, why is it? that particularly the the far left here has decided it is okay to condone violence or even threaten violence or be a part of it. The second thing I want to say is there is, there are people on the right who do this. It's just different. And what happens and what's been happening, you know, in the media for a while, by different, I don't mean better or less bad. I mean that the way our media functions is that you get four guys in stupid Nazi outfits on a bridge overpass, and there are 20 news reporters there to film it. But you have thousands and thousands of people marching in at universities and around chanting things about killing Jews, sometimes just openly saying that. Um, there is something that is uh, profoundly important that we understand. Jonathan Greenblatt, who is the president of the Anti-Defamation League, ADL. Anti-Defamation League is a very left-leaning organization, and he is very left-leaning. But I want you to listen to what he says here. Look, it's clear that the hardened anti-Zionists are on the, from the far left are the photo inverse of the white supremacists from the far right. Did you get that? He's actually saying what needs to be said here is, hey, these guys are uh, racist too. Of the white supremacists from the far right. And I mean, there is no argument anymore that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. I mean, mean, that is as plain as day. And to think that extremism only comes from one side of the spectrum is a joke. So when I used to say that hard, the, the anti-Semitism from the left, Dana, was like climate change, getting worse and worse, and it could create the conditions in which storms could happen, this is that Category 5 hurricane. When Jewish people are being told to avoid kosher dining halls because other students want to, quote, slit their throat, yeah. look, Dana, this is a moment of accountability, not just for universities, which, by the way, are failing the test. This is a moment of accountability for America. And so good for him, by the way. And are we going to meet that? 
you know, or are we going to find some excuses for that? And, and a lot of people are saying, you know, how did we get here? There's a lot of reasons why we got here. I want to show you this. Uh, this, by the way, is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. There were protests right here in Los Angeles where they were chanting, cease fire now, cease fire now. Cease fire now. So you have that going on across the country, ceasefire now. And this is Hillary Clinton's response. Remember Hillary Clinton? Uh, she ran for president a couple of times. She didn't do too well. And But would you say that Hillary Clinton is right or left? I mean, any thought? If you were to you know pigeonhole her on the spectrum of uh, liberal conservative, where would you put her? A few years ago, you would have put her about as far left as you can go. Um This is what she had to say, and she's not alone in saying this. People who are calling for a ceasefire now do not understand Hamas. That is not possible. It would be such a gift to Hamas because they would spend whatever time there was a ceasefire in effect rebuilding their uh, armaments, you know, creating stronger positions to be able to fend off uh, an eventual um, assault by the Israelis. So... We're in a very different world. I don't think it had to be the world we're in, but that's where we are, and we've got to figure our way uh, forward through it. So she takes a very strong position there about no ceasefire, and her reason isn't because she doesn't care about people getting bombed or killed. Her reason is it's not going to help. It's going to allow, in her view, Hamas to just simply do what Hamas does, and it is to rebuild their, their defenses and continue to kill more and continue to make terrorist attacks, which is what Hamas has done forever. You have to remember her husband when he was president, Bill Clinton, signed, uh, was working very hard at the Oslo agreements. And in that, he offered the Palestinian people everything that the global community has been asking to give them, the two-state solution. They would have retained almost as a state Gaza and also most of the West Bank, if you're familiar with that part of Israel, the West Bank of uh, the Jordan River, They would have regained some other territories. They would have had sovereignty, billions more dollars in in global aid. I mean, it was an unbelievable deal. And while all that is being negotiated, while Yasser Arafat, who was the head of the PLO then, which was the the governing association for Palestinians at the time, um, was going to meetings and shaking hands. He even got the Nobel Peace Prize just for his participation, the ultimate participation trophy he got. While he's doing that, he's actually building up armaments and getting ready to go to war. And at the last minute, he refused to sign the agreement and uh, decided to uh, start another war with Israel and start attacking them. He never had any intention of doing that. And this is because that is the point. Now, here's the thing I thought Hillary said here. How, you know, we didn't have to get here. And people are asking, how did we get here? I want to show you how we got here. I don't know if you know who this person is, Judith Butler. She is a professor at Berkeley, and uh, she is one of the lead people in uh, far left uh, thinking on gender in particular. You know, she's probably uh, very key in the idea that uh, women or men can have babies and there's no such thing as gender. And that's kind of the far left is where she's going. This is a clip that I found from her at Berkeley speaking in 2012, so 11 years ago. 
Okay, Barack Obama's the president. Uh, it's this is in the time frame of what's happening in Israel. Israel pulled out completely of the Gaza Strip in 2005. And for a couple of years, there looked like there was going to be some progress and there was peace until Hamas became was elected by the people there. And then they started building rockets and they stopped doing anything to develop. So this is 2012 and rockets are going from the Gaza Strip into Israel and the peace is broken. Israel builds a wall around it and all the stuff that you hear, you know, bad Israel doing this, which... You know, I get it, except that nobody wants to say what else are they supposed to do when you have a sworn enemy next to you who wants to kill you and says they want to kill you. Uh, You know what you're going to do? You're going to build a wall. You know, if your next door neighbor was your sworn enemy and is throwing rockets and hand grenades over your wall, you're going to build a higher wall, right? Obviously, you'd move. But in that case, that's what you do. Uh, I want you to listen to what she had to say here. Uh, where did that go? Here, I was clicking on the wrong thing. Sorry. I have a new system here, so I'm just going to keep talking. Where did that go? I'm missing it here. It was like right there. Oh, there it is. Never mind. I found it. (laughs) We have these new, if you're watching it, kkla.com, you're watching me struggle here a little bit. All right, here we go. So this is Judith Butler from uh, Berkeley, and I want you to see this scene here. So the scene is a classroom and it is packed full of people, students and faculty, even sitting on the ground right beneath the table where she's seated with the other speakers. It's standing room only, sitting room only. It is a fire code violation for sure. Tons of people in the room. This is what she says about Hamas. Um, uh, Similarly, I think, uh, yes, uh, uh, understanding uh, Hamas, Hezbollah as uh, social movements that are progressive, that are on on the left, that are part of a global left, is extremely important. That does not stop us from... Hamas and Hezbollah are a part of the global left. Did you hear that? That's crazy. There are, there's nobody from those groups who would say, yes, I'm part of the, uh, the global left and uh, we have our own uh, diversity and uh, department. Uh, they don't believe in diversity. They don't believe in any of it. They want to kill Jews. That is what they state. There is nothing about them that is progressive or even liberal or anything in that category. But this is what she says. And the point that I'm making here is when we say, how did we get here? When we say, you know, when we're surprised at all of these students who are marching and saying all this anti-Semitic stuff, and it is so bad in the thousands, how did we get here? Here's how we got here. Um, uh, Similarly, I think, uh, yes, uh, uh, understanding uh, Hamas, Hezbollah as uh, social movements that are progressive, that are on the the left. That's crazy. You need to know this is an educated person who has no idea what she's talking about right there. And what she is doing is she's taking a room full of student leftists, okay? They are packed in there. I mean, it's packed full of people. This is the indoctrination that has led to these protests today where some people, I think, initially when they were chanting, you know, from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. I'll bet that a lot of those kids don't know what that means. There's a lot of interviews seeing online where a lot of them did, first didn't know them. What it means is the river is the Jordan River. The sea is the Mediterranean Sea. What it means is wipe out Israel. And maybe some people didn't know what that means. They should know now. 
what that means. But the reason they don't know that mean, what that means, the reason there are so many historical inaccuracies, inaccuracies with you know Israel, how they got there, who they came from, what Palestine is, who the Palestinian people, I mean, it's nuts, some of the things that are being said. And that isn't to say that there aren't legitimate concerns about how Israel deals with their settlements in the West Bank and all that, but it is completely wrong, completely incorrect to teach. We're talking about UC Berkeley. All right, we're talking about probably one of, and this is the same teaching that's going on in all these schools, okay? So this isn't just some wacko at Berkeley. Uh, this is all of these schools, Harvard and Cornell and NYU and, and all of these schools, Yale. If you're wondering why, they aren't coming out and condemning the anti-Semitism. If you're wondering why they don't know how to respond to the violence that's being threatened to their Jewish students, if you're wondering why these professors at Cornell like that guy are exhilarated because of what happened, is that they think this is a, a bunch of leftists just like them. And it is nuts. Um, uh, similarly, I think, uh, yes, uh, uh, understanding uh, Hamas, Hezbollah as uh, social movements that are progressive, that are on the, on the left, that are part of a global left, is extremely important. That does not stop us from uh, being critical of certain dimensions of um, both movements. It doesn't, um, it doesn't stop those of us who are interested in nonviolent politics from raising the question of um, uh, uh, of whether there are other options besides violence. Um, so again, so what happened is somebody said, "What about the uh, the violence? You know, what about the fact that these groups that you just said are progressive and left state in their charters that they want to murder Jews? That their entire purpose for existence is to wipe out Israel off the face of the earth and to murder Jews wherever they are and infidels, by the way, across the board." So not just Jews, it's first the Jew, then uh, the Christian, and then other Muslims, by the way, who don't believe the same thing they believe. That's who these people are. If you're wondering why we're so messed up, it's because these professors and these schools who are, have a very leftist agenda, it's a Marxist agenda. Marx, by the way, was an anti-Semite. I don't know if you realize that. In fact, a lot of the uh, Jewish people who lived in Russia during the Russian Revolution, the time of Lenin, they were supportive of the, the socialist idea. They thought that was a pretty good idea until they found out it meant that you have to kill Jews. Until they found out that you couldn't actually practice a religion or you couldn't be certain ethnic groups. And so they were forced to flee. And that's where in the, the uh, early part of the 20th century, a lot of them moved to Israel. And because they had to, just like the Jews had to leave Germany, just like they had to leave France, just like they had to leave all of the Arab countries after uh, they were formed in the British Mandate, that if the people who are there are going to kill you, then it really doesn't matter what you believe. You're going to kill you because of your race or something. You have to go. That's what you have to do. And where do you go? Well, you go to wherever it is that your people are from, and that's Israel. That is where they went. And Marx and the, those philosophies that are there on the left, they cannot tolerate ultimately differences of opinion. And so the problem is that you have on the left, the reason that you have some people who are okay with the violence is because that's where Marxism leads. That's where it went with Mao. That's where it went with Stalin. That's where it went with, um, you know, all these guys. And you, you can't avoid that because it, it does not allow for a difference of opinion. And it certainly doesn't allow for any sort of diversity in belief.
about the sovereignty of the state. Um, and the Marxists, in part, and one of the reasons that they hate Israel more than, uh, you know, is because they're also, it's, it's a democracy, which they also hate, which should give us all a reason for concern. She continues. And, uh, a, cr- a critical, important engagement. I mean, I certainly think it should be entered into the conversation on the left. I similarly think boycotts um, and divestment procedures are, again, um, uh, an essential component of any resistance movement. So this is a far-left teacher in 2012 saying that Hamas and Hezbollah, their counterpart over there, that uh, they're just like um, leftists. And, yeah, there's this violence thing, and we should probably question that. But, you know, we should also be a part of uh, boycotting Israel and divesting from them and all of that nonsense. See, we should not be surprised. Now, here's the point I want to make. She tried to take this terrorist group and make them sound not so bad. And the reason she's doing that is because my, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Because she has an agenda against Israel, against capitalism, against uh, anything that would prevent us from moving in the right direction. And so she took on a terrorist group, two terrorist groups, to say they're, they're kind of like us. And they're not at all like them. This is the teaching that's wrong. And this, by the way, can be done on the right. And my warning for all of us, and Christian this needs to be for us especially, is just because somebody might agree with you politically, and it turns out that they're, anti, they're an anti-Semite, or it turns out that they're you know, a racist, or they're part of a white supremacy group, or they're part of, but they agree with you on how they're going to vote or something, do not embrace that person. It will result in chaos, it will result in division, and ultimately it will result in bloodshed. That's what happens when you embrace evil, when you excuse it. When you decide, you know what, uh, I'm against everything these guys stand for, but they agree with me on this one point, uh, and so I'm going to welcome them in. The right and the left have a problem with that right now. The big news is the left, but uh, don't think it's not uh, being done elsewhere. And Christian, you you can't. It doesn't mean that you, you don't make friends with people, but you make friends in order to persuade them to the what is true against what is false. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show. You can follow me at at, uh, at Pastor Scott Show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can watch us live at kkla.com. We'll be back as the Monday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Matthew Perry, who gained fame in the 1990s hit show Friends Has Died. The 54-year-old beloved star was reportedly found unresponsive in a jacuzzi at his L.A. area home and died from an apparent drowning. Law enforcement sources telling TMZ that first responders rushed to the address with the call first reported as a cardiac arrest. They added that no drugs were found at the scene and foul play is not suspected. That was a sad story this weekend. I know a lot of you are affected by that, Matthew Perry uh, passing away. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it. Uh, there's some things that I read that I thought were, were pretty good. This is the Pastor Scott Show, by the way. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You know, he was somebody who very openly struggled with alcohol and uh, other drugs, and uh, it you know, affected him significantly. His addiction was pretty terrible. At one point, he opened up his own, I don't know if you knew this, 
uh, his own rehab center, which I think, you know, that's something that you should do. You've got the money. You've got the uh, understanding of why that's needed. And uh, he did that. It's called the the uh, Perry House in uh, Malibu. He sold it at what one point to uh, find a uh, less expensive place uh, to do that. And, uh, you know, something that I thought is, you know, worthy he, of, of mentioning is because of this, because he's somebody who um, he said this about himself. He said, the best thing about me, bar none, is that if somebody comes to me and says, I can't stop drinking, can you help me? I can say yes and follow up and do it. He's, and I thought, you know what, that is the, a great understanding maybe of who you are and how you redeem your faults. You know, this is something that we should be able to do in our own lives. We all have faults. We all have struggles. And sometimes they're major, major deals. Uh, sometimes, you know, we just have an attitude problem. Sometimes we have an eating disorder or we eat too much or we comfort ourselves not with drug or alcohol, but with too much uh, video games or pornography or we do it with uh, food or something. And, you know, when we give those things to the Lord and we, we fight through those things, part of, I think, the recovery and part of what the Lord wants to do with us is he wants to use us to help others who are going through the same thing. You know, I think for many people, they define themselves maybe on their struggles, but you are defined as a child of God by the Lord. You are defined as somebody made in his image. You're defined as somebody who needs a savior and you're given one. His name is Jesus. Um, some people felt that uh, Matthew Perry might have come to the Lord. I'm not sure about that, that at some point during his struggles that he did. I hope that that's true. He's a funny guy, that guy. And this is something else he said that uh, um, I thought was a good thing to say. You know, everybody is talking about the television show Friends. So if you're not familiar with who he was, he was on the television show Friends, one of the most popular shows ever. Uh, it was on in the 90s. And... Um, it was a funny show and a great show about friends, right? It got a little convoluted, I thought, at the end, but uh, I don't think I actually watched all of it. But it was enjoyable, and it's just a huge hit. And sometimes when you have actors who are in a big hit, especially, that becomes you know who they are, right? It's very hard to see past that role that they took. Uh, some actors struggle because they had a great role at some point, but then everybody sees them as that role. And some great actors are able to transcend that. Um, but um, that's always kind of hard, especially when you have a, a big hit. Well, everybody's talking about Friends, and my social media is loaded with Friends clips and things that people are writing about Friends and what the show meant and this and that. But this is what he wrote about you know his life. He says, when I die, and he wrote this just about, and I think a, a recent book, when I die, I don't want Friends, the TV show, to be the first thing that's mentioned. I want it to be, I want, I want that to be the first thing that's mentioned, meaning that he's somebody who, uh, it's the, the continuation of the quote I said before, where he said, the best thing about me, bar none, is that if somebody comes to me and says, I can't stop drinking, can you help me? I can say yes and follow up and do it. He said, when I die, I don't want the TV show Friends to be the first thing that's mentioned. I want instead that that, the idea that he can help you stop drinking, to be the first thing that's mentioned. And I'm going to live the rest of my life proving that. I thought that's the right way to move forward with that. But the most important thing about his life, other than wherever he was at with Christ, is that he takes the failures and the struggles that he's had and and uses them, leverages them to help other people. 
Do you do that in your life? The struggles that you've had, the difficulties that you've had to help other people. And I'll tell you what, that part of doing that is also part of your own recovery. Like that shouldn't be the, the motivation, but it should be part of the idea of your recovery. It's to take whatever it is that you've dealt with or that you're dealing with and say, I'm going to help others who are dealing with this same thing. You know, when somebody is a thief, you can't just deal with them not stealing anymore. They have to become a giver. They have to give of their time to help other people not be thieves. They need to be a generous person with their time and with their stuff. That's how you stop being a thief. Uh, If you ever find yourself in debt, which most of you are, credit card debt, you know, other kinds of uh, debilitating debt like that. Part of getting out of debt isn't just paying the bills and paying it off. Because one of the big problems that happens is, is you, you turn on the, uh, you go to the Dave Ramsey thing and you pay off your debt and you finally get that paid off. But if you didn't at the same time develop a habit of giving, what tends to happen is that you pay off the, your, your debt and now all of a sudden you got great credit and you go out and you get more credit and you get in worse debt than you were in in the first place. It's because the habit's not broken. The character hasn't changed. There is, there is you know, you, you got out of the hole, but you didn't put down the shovel. So many of us struggle with that. You know, when I talk to people about debt, because I was in debt uh, pretty seriously, part of my recovery from that, if you will, was that I started giving. I wasn't tithing really at church. I wasn't giving anywhere, you know, uh, you know, to any uh, organizations much because I was dying in credit card debt and barely making it and doing all kinds of games just to be able to pay the bills, you know, paying off one card with another and all of that stuff. And it isn't until you learn to be a giver that you can change that. And as you're trying to recover from something in your life, or maybe you have recovered, you know that. You got an example of that you want to share? The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Something where God has used a failure in your life to actually benefit somebody else through you. I think God does that with us all the time when we give those things over to the Lord. That we have a special insight into things that people are dealing with. So I've, I've done that with debt. I've done it with, with failure, all right, I, I failed uh, law school. I wasn't terribly sad about that, except for they contributed to my debt problem because I had massive student loans. Um, and then I found myself in a position where I was a young adult pastor shortly after that, and I got to sit down and be with other young people who flunked out of the same law school I did and talk them through it and talk about the debt that they're the burden that they have or the sense of, I really, you know, messed up my life here. You know, you never know what it's going to be that God is going to put you through. And if you're wondering why, often it's because you get to be that person who helps other people through that same problem. And what I was amazed with is how many people I later interacted with, with the same problem or how many people I still interact with who are drowning in credit card debt, who I have been able to help and been able to go places and talk about it and been able to send people in the same direction. It's, it's something I wish I didn't have in my life. And at the same time, it's such a blessing now that I have that in my life. Do you understand? It is, it's one of those things where if I could go back and do things differently, you know, would I really not get into that kind of trouble? And, you know, I wish I didn't because it causes, and you know this, if you're drowning in debt, you've got health problems and you've got, uh, you're always stressed. It is 
taking its toll on you. And you you wish you weren't there. And I, I have that. But at the same time, I've been able to help so many people by telling them how I got out of it, by helping them maybe even not get into it. That's the big thing is, you know, if you're in college right now and you're listening or a young adult and you're getting excited because you get a credit card and, uh, you know, you get to use your Apple Pay and you get to do all of that. Let me tell you, if you 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 need to carry no debt. Maybe your your mortgage, if you can afford that in this town. But if if you have credit card debt, pay it off. If you've got a car payment, we haven't had a car payment in years. And I'll tell you what, we, we drive used cars now that are pretty old, but they're all right. You know, air conditioning works and the words work usually. But we had to start by driving literal pieces of junk for a while that we owned and just had to say, you know what, this car is embarrassing, but it gets me from A to B and I don't have a payment and the insurance is low. And once we did that, um, we've never gone back and I can help you with that. I mean, you don't even need my help. Just, just say, I don't really need this. I need a vehicle that can get me from A to B. Well, it might need some maintenance. Yeah, it might. But you know, if you pay you know, $2,000 a year because you got to do some uh, above and beyond regular maintenance extra. That's better than the 10000 a year plus interest you're paying on your car, right? You just saved $8,000 by having a few car repairs and the inconvenience of that. I mean, it's a big deal to fix that. I love it that I can speak to that, that I had to go through that. I made terrible mistakes. I had things happen to me that weren't my fault, but it compounded the things that were my fault. It's typically how that goes, right? Um, Whatever God has put into your life, you can leverage that for the benefit of other people. And I believe that God is going to put people in your life who, who providentially have exactly the same trouble or something similar as you have. And the reason you're in their life is to help them walk through it. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. When we come back, the uh, power is going out in Southern California with the high winds. And uh, do you have any advice for people on that? What happens if our power is out overnight? You know, how long do I have to wait before I start cooking the meat in my freezer? You know, what are some things that maybe I should be thinking about? I got a warning from uh, the electric company saying your power is expected to go out because of these winds. And the way I read it, sounds like it's going to go out until tomorrow. 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Reminder, time is running out to get tickets for the Resist the Drift Conference, which is from Focus on the Family and uh, Salem um, Media. And it is at uh, Friday... Friday the 3rd and 4th, it is at Calvary Chapel East Anaheim in Orange County. You go to kkla.com to get tickets now. And, um, you know, if you feel like your marriage is drifting or you just want to uh, prevent it from drifting, this is a great thing to go to. It is it is going to be put on by 
uh, Greg and Aaron Smalley, and they do such a great job with it. It's going to be funny. It'll be fun. It's a great date night for you and your spouse, and uh, it will encourage you. It will challenge you, and uh, you'll have a lot of fun. So go to kkla.com, get tickets now. There is a 10% discount, and the discount code is RTDFLASH10, RTDFLASH10, RTD, like resist the drift, Flash 10, RTD Flash 10. You can do that at checkout. And also, there might be a way to win tickets at kkla.com. So go there now, click on the banner, kkla.com, and get registered for this weekend. All right, 888-528-2557. Before the break, uh, we have a couple of, couple of different topics we were talking about. One is uh, if you've got any advice for what to do if the power goes out overnight, as a text I got from the electric company saying that's possible. Be curious about what you think about that. And just be aware that we might have power outages that are on purpose because of all the wind here in Southern California. And also we're talking about how God can use your um, the things that happen in your life, the things that you struggle with to help other people with. 888-528-2557. Gilbert and Whittier, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, uh, good afternoon, Pastor. Uh, Hi, go I'm ahead, Gilbert. Yes, I was uh, very blessed to uh, be able to have something happen to me that was bad in my life when I was young. Um, I was My brother lost his job. And at that time, I had a little hustle selling, you know, marijuana. And uh, my cousin found out that my oldest brother lost his job. So he told me to go over there, and uh, he would help him out to make some money. So I thought I was going to help him out, you know, so help my big brother. But he gave my brother two gallons of PCP. And my brother uh, started selling a little bit of that, making some money. But one night, he got high and was driving around about 1.30 at night on Whittier Boulevard. A cop saw him acting kind of funny, so he got behind him, turned his lights on. My brother looked into the rearview mirror, not knowing how fast he was going, 77 miles an hour, veered into oncoming traffic and hit a parked car and killed himself. Oh, I'm sorry. So with that happening, all our family fell apart. My mom and dad blamed each other. Why did nobody tell them? But through, uh, everyone got, I started doing coke. And when that was just strong enough, because my, my, the, the, the enemy was telling me that I killed my brother. And I couldn't talk to no one about that. So I self-medicated myself. So when cocaine was doing the work, uh, I did meth and ended up in a mental institution. I tried to hang myself in jail with a bed sheet. But, but they saw me on the camera and revived me. But I went into a Christian home. And after that happened, uh, um, my life started changing. Um, my my father got colon cancer. And before, before he died, he saw me doing good you know but with the lord and so he accepted the lord hmm. and um my dad died but and, and and i have a picture of an ultrasound of my grandchild in the, in the ultrasound my dad's face is in there he told me that's all i had to do to get saved is do the, um, the, the sinner's prayer i said that's it dad but a lot of my family my mother passed on already uh, my brother's son he had a, a overdose on um fentanyl was in this thing but a lot of my friends and family saw me from a mental institution come out with the Lord. I trusted the Lord, and now I'm working as a building engineer. A lot of my family and friends, I have a lot of friends who uh, I can go to and tell them what happened, and all you got to do is trust the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, 7 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes, and in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will lead your path. And that's what I lived my life on that scripture, and it saved my life and changed a lot of friends, and I still 
talk to anyone, even uh, people at my work, construction workers and security guards, and tell them how my life is changing. No matter who you are and where you're at, God can change your life. Just meet him in the middle of the street, and he'll pull you across. So that's all I have to say. Hey, Gilbert, thank you. Thank you for sharing that story. That's exactly what we're talking about, is that you know, as bad as those things are in your life and the tragedies that happened and the struggles that you happened, uh, that happened to you, people shouldn't give up. There is hope. And, and that hope is in the Lord that he is going to take those things and redeem them and use them to help other people, which is exactly what's happening to you. Yes, thank you so yeah. much. And I'm so blessed that, uh, that, I, that I wasn't... I'm glad that I couldn't even kill myself. So I'm so blessed and Life is so good, and I just try to share and magnify the Lord with anyone I talk to. All right, Gilbert, good for you. I'm glad that you're still with us, and then we get to spend eternity together eventually uh, in the the natural course of things, okay? Thank you, Pastor. All right, Gilbert, thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. Ted, in the City of Angels, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Amen, Pastor Scott. Uh, How are you, sir? I'm all right. How are you? Thank you, Jesus. Um. I just had to call in uh, because these subjects are so, you know, close to what I've been through, through uh, watching sober livings come into 12-step programs. And uh, I know this actor, God bless his soul, I don't know what happened. Uh, uh, I don't know him personally, but you know, I pray for mm-hmm. his soul. But, and I know he started a sober living. But my experience is in the Malibu and all these high-end areas is their parents have so much – they have – uh, such deep pockets is they just throw money at it and they think a sober living is going to help them. And in my experience, 22 years in those rooms, I didn't see that. I just, uh, all I hear them, I just, they're very robotic and they say, thank your sponsor when they get a cake and they never talk about Jesus at first. And uh, I was in Compton uh, the past two weeks at a church and uh, this pastor um, you know, he was in prison and did drugs and everything, and now he's the pastor of the church, and he has a, a sober living house right off the parking lot, which they got first shot at it. Hmm. Uh, when So what I'm trying to say is, is if it isn't Bible-based, it just reminds me of uh, what Jesus said, you know, your money is no good to the rich man. And I find these people that are very wealthy think they can just throw money at a problem, and it's not the solution. And I don't see a high success rate at all out of these sober livings that just walk into 12-step programs and they think that money's going to fix everything. It's putting a Band-Aid on it temporarily, and it's like, uh, let's cheer each other on and uh, let's fill each other's ego. Don't forget to thank your sponsor. Uh, I, I just... I, I think it's very sad. Yeah, there's, and, uh, there's a lot of that, Ted, but there's a lot of good ones, right? And I think that is a big thing, and I think you make a good point. Thanks for calling and sharing that, uh, uh-huh. Ted. You know, that, you know, with Christ, things get redeemed. He talked about these pastors, uh, this pastor you met who uh, went to prison for things you go to prison for. He comes out uh, saved. And I know guys like this who got saved in prison, and you see the Lord do such a work, and they know better than anybody why you need sobriety or as much as anybody. And I think you really see something magnificent when it is put to work to really go and help people. And, uh, you know, we don't know. We were talking about Matthew Perry and um, his, um, his, his 
passing away this weekend, um, but also what he had done to try to be somebody to help other people go through and, and recover from addictions like he has. And, you know, the, the only statement I have about, you know, his faith is that he cried out to the Lord and uh, that he has a very f- close relationship with him that's helped me a lot. So I don't know if the hymn is Jesus or what that means. I hope that's what that means. But, you know, it's when you realize that there is something greater to your life, whoever you are, no matter what you've done, no matter whether you're rich or poor or whatever your background is, or maybe you're in prison for doing something really terrible, God can still use you. I think that's why, you know, when you go to the scriptures, you know, who does God use? Does he does he go and use the people who have got it all together all the time? Uh, not too much. Usually it's people who are a mess. And he calls Paul, right, who is the worst of all sinners, Paul would eventually say, and uses him to be the greatest of the apostles. Um, and then write half the New Testament. I mean, it's amazing. How do you know what God is going to do for you? Uh, if you trust him, he's going to do some great things. Even if you're not heard, you know, you'll become famous because of it. You'll be famous within the people in your life. You'll be famous within the people who know you, who thank you. That'll be an interesting thing. You know, at uh, the the funeral, what he said, what Matthew Perry said, was that he hopes that he's remembered not for Friends, the TV show, but for the people he was able to help through their addictions. I bet there's some stories coming up there. I bet we're going to hear some things. I hope so, because I think that is more important. At the end of the day, the TV show doesn't matter. Uh, that was his job. Um, that was something that he got to do and, you know, part of his life. But everybody's got a job or something. I'll tell you what, the the thing you don't want at your your funeral is people just to read your resume. You want people to get up and say, hey, here's the impact that this person had in my life personally, and especially when that impact points you towards Jesus. Um, that's something that you can do right now with the people in your relational world. Pray for them and ask God to use you uh, in their life. I think that really matters. This is the Pastor Scott Show, by the way. Uh, Just be careful about your electricity tonight. I got a text from uh, Edison saying that uh, some power might be shut off tonight because of the winds. And, uh, you know, just be prepared for that. And uh, you can get the podcast of our show wherever you get your podcast. Just look for the Pastor Scott Show on your favorite podcast app. Click subscribe, and you'll never miss a show, and you can share them with your friends. Give me a follow on social media, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I'd love to connect with you that way. Everybody, we're on from 3 to 5 every day. I hope to see you tomorrow from 3 to 5. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I'm Scott Furrow. Good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.